0: Hello and welcome to the Mustard's podcast. I am David Mustard and you are
1: Jenny Mustard. And today we have a special guest. We have my mentor, Rowan Hisayubi-Cannon. Welcome, Rowan. Mm. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on. Clap,
0: clap, clap, clap. (laughs) We don't have effects today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Rowan, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited to talk to you because not only are you an amazing author, you're also my one and only mentor. Um, So do you like, and good friend and good friend yes. Uh, so before we get into all that, do you just want to introduce yourself and your work a little bit?
2: Of course. Um, so I'm primarily a novelist. I am the author of two novels, Harmless Like You and Starling Days, and my third novel, The Sleep Watcher, comes out this April. So Ooh. congratulations! <laughs> Yay, Thank you. Congrats. I'm nervous and excited about that. Um, but I also write essays and I do some teaching and some mentoring and that's how i met jenny before yeah. realizing that she maybe i don't know if she needed me or not <laughs>
1: but i think that you have forgotten to say that both that you have a phd so you're actually a doctor which is uh, like quite impressive um but also tell us about like being on price long lists and stuff
0: But, but first if if someone on a plane sh- shouts we need a doctor that's not no that role. sort of doctor. <laughs> are, are are you are you like I am one. I can't. I. I just want to say that I'm a doctor. (laughs) I can
2: analyze some literature about people dying on planes. Give me um... a
0: couple of books about being a doctor, and I can analyze the text.
2: (laughs) Have you ever said those words? I'm a doctor. I have not I've I put it on my Amazon parcels mm-hmm. and <gasps> I know nice. I know I don't buy my books on Amazon but I've right. bought phone chargers on Amazon but
0: right. okay, okay. we so
1: all that, that's have my we crime. all have
2: that's no, my crime we're not judging um.
0: <laughs> do, do you use it uh, like when, when you fill in forms and, and things like that
2: yes because Does it give you joy it does gi- it does give me joy also I I'm not a huge fan of Miss and I'm not a huge mm. fan of Misses, and mm. so it feels quite nice to be able to be like Doctor. You mm. don't know me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh,
0: we we have a friend who's a doctor of fashion, Ooh. so that's also like yeah, I, I can uh, I can analyze I can your men- outfits, mend a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that what she does? No, I don't think she can mend a shirt. Actually, no. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, back back to your prices. Brag a little bit.
2: Okay, so. My first novel, Harmless Like You, won the Authors Club First Novel Award, it won a Betty Trask Award, it was shortlisted for the Desmond Elliott, and a couple of other things. Um, I also got made the Gladstone Library Writer-in-Residence because of that book. It it was lovely. Um, And my second novel, Starling Days, was shortlisted for the Costa Novel Award, which sadly no longer exists. Yeah, that's weird. I know. Well... I don't really understand the exact politics behind it, but mm. totally biased, I shall miss it. Yeah. Wh- which
0: prize was that?
2: Costa. The, the Costa Novel Award.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You 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 told me about that. That's David, like David, you're the, such
2: a illiterate in the in, in yeah, this No, no, yeah.
0: Like the audience doesn't know all of this well, either. Have, so so I am I am the audience. You
1: like yeah. in the UK you have the Booker, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then you have the Costa who no longer exists. And yeah. then there's the women's prize. Those yeah. are like the three Big ones. Mm. What did you say? Rod? Yeah, I,
2: I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say. What I I feel like those are the ones people's mothers are likely to know about Yeah, oh, so my okay. mother was very excited for me <laughs> about Costa, that one is
0: it like the coffee yes
2: yeah. it is like the coffee
0: that, that's incredible
1: yeah I mean they like that's how they d- do it nowadays with the prices like they just put like whoever sponsors a price gets oh it's, it's price, like when, it wasn't uh, used to call the cost it was called uh, something else it's
0: like uh, when arenas are yes, called things like uh, um the uh, staple center in the U- in la it was called staples after staples but now it's called crypto.com arena yeah, yeah. <laughs> would
1: you be happy to like be uh, get an award called crypto.com award i mean
2: i don't think i know enough about crypto i think i'd have to do some research <laughs> yeah. to find out You know, how what these people were like.
0: (laughs) If the Costa uh, Award... Yeah, if they changed names to to the the Crypto crypto, Award, then you have to start saying I I was shortlisted for For that. Well,
2: I don't know what you do, because I know that the Women's Prize used to be... Bailey's? Well, it was the Orange Prize, and then it became the Bailey's, Mm -hmm. and then after the drink. And then... Someone else sponsored it, but they decided it was too confusing that it kept switching names, which yeah. became uh, the women's prize. Mm. And then I think it says like underneath who's sponsoring it. Uh, mm-hmm. and That's so I, better. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if people retroactively change yeah. on books or they just say, oh, I won the Baileys and hope that people remember that the Baileys is the women's <laughs> yeah. prize. That's true. <laughs> but okay. So, you know, because if
1: like, if there are any authors listening or like aspiring authors, that moment when you're told, I mean, you've been told so many times now, so maybe now you're being jaded, but like that moment when you're told that Another you've long listed <laughs> or short or actually won an award,
2: how does that feel? Like, is it different for every award or is it the same sort of feeling? Oh, goodness. I mean, you know, there are people who've won much grander awards than I have. I mean, you should probably, if you can get him, you should ask Ishigura how it felt to win the Nobel. Yeah. But, um, I, of course, I think it's always wonderful to hear that someone enjoyed your work mm-hmm. because we watched the first one that you were longlisted for do you remember i don't remember now it might have been the desmond elliot which i made i made it the shortlist and i think francis bufford won my year mm-hmm. with the golden hill mm-hmm. So, and I begrudge him not. Um, <laughs> and you say that, but like deep down inside, you hate him. I did an event with him recently, and he was lovely. So oh, my I can't. God. You, you couldn't even hate him. <laughs> I couldn't hate him. He,
1: he should have been a bitch to you, so that you could uh, you would have, would have been allowed
2: to hate him. Yeah, yeah. but I think, he wasn't.
0: Uh, he, he didn't deserve it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think that's. I think that's the thing about you know the fact that there are sort of a bunch of prizes out there is that you realize that there are as you know judges are not they're each they're all individuals mm-hmm. and so you know that you might shortlist for one prize you might win another one you know it was wonderful to get the authors club one and you know that felt really good it felt mm. really good to be... you know it's just you spend most of your time writing alone yeah thinking is anyone going to like this yeah. is anyone going to enjoy it? or this? even read it yes or even read it so to have someone Say and I not only read it, but I want to celebrate you or something yeah. you did is particularly special. And for some of them, they'll say why they thought your book was worthy, and mm. that yeah, it's very it's very moving. Mm. So
0: yeah do do you ever read uh, reviews?
2: I tend to well online. I only read reviews by readers where they've tagged me. And like on Twitter or On Twitter or Instagram because in general I feel like it's a bad path to go down <laughs> <Yeah>. to start <laughs> trying to eavesdrop essentially yeah. on what other people think. Yeah. I think every author should stay
1: away from Amazon and Goodreads. But yeah,
2: and
0: Oh, did do you ever go to Goodreads and like just gonna go just gonna check a couple of Oh,
2: I hope you don't. I did in the beginning, but I think I decided that two things. One that it was really for readers; it wasn't for writers, and mm-hmm. that's not what it was about. And mm. secondly, that I think at the time I was looking, this may have changed, but there were like several Toni Morrison books that had like three point five stars. Yeah, mm. and I remember thinking, well, okay, what what do we learn from this? Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> but I think people's tastes differ quite yes, widely. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there's some part of me like the good nerdy student that wants every single person to give me five stars. Yeah. Yeah. But if they're not, if every single person is not giving the great Toni Morrison five stars, why am I going to put myself but down like, that path? See, like, would you really want that though?
1: Like, because, you know, one part of you obviously wants everyone to love you. But at the same time, if everyone likes your book, doesn't that mean that you're kind of not really doing your job as a literary author? Do you know what I mean? Like, aren't, aren't you supposed to kind of ruffle a few feathers or like, I don't know, do are you really writing for everyone or are you writing for people who vibe with your particular, like, way of expressing yourself or looking at the world or whatever?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a lovely way of putting it. The thing I sort of tell myself is that there are people who just, as people, Mm. you know, go about the world and everyone goes, oh, so-and-so's really nice and they probably are really nice, but people aren't particularly close to. Mm. And... You can also be the sort of person who has some incredibly close friends with incredibly meaningful friendships, and a lot of people don't get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I think b- books are, on some level, the most polished, crafted distillation of your worldview, and mm-hmm. that's always going to connect with some people and not with other people. And you sort of have to let let that let that be. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's hard though because, as you say, like no one wants a two-star review and like some mean words about that. Like your most polished, like you said, you you it's, you you spend so much time polishing something and and trying to create something that's like artful, and then have a two-star review, obviously. It's a nice, but that's why you should like read them. I guess, like you stay away from them.
0: Well, to all our listeners, you can uh, give us five stars on all your podcast apps. So. And you,
1: can, <laughs> you can also give Rowan's uh, first two novels uh, stars already now. Um, <laughs> exactly. We have to wait a bit for your. So, so what's okay? Let's talk about your third one then. Uh, do you want to tell us what it's about? Of
2: course. So, mm-hmm. the Sleep Watcher is my third novel, and it's narrated by a woman looking back. On her teenage years in this small British seaside town when she started to have these out-of-body experiences at night where instead of dreaming or sleeping, she would find herself wandering around her house and her town. But she can't fly. She doesn't have a wand. She doesn't have any magical <laughs> powers. So she's instead forced to witness the goings-on within her family and her community. And she sees things that she hadn't seen in the day and force it forces her to have to re understand. Ah, uh, okay. Um so I haven't read it yet. I'm
1: still waiting for my like pre review copy to to read. Um, How many stars are you going to
0: give? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to give you a nice quote for sure. I already know that I'm going to love it because I have so far loved everything you've written. Um, but I didn't know that it was about like her looking back. So that's interesting. So she's like retrospectively having to like change her own view about her childhood.
2: Is that well, the concept? She's, so she's actually she's writing this book to her lover and she's confessing about what happened that year in her past and I did that for a number of reasons but one of them is I think that me- for many of us when we're becoming close to someone when we're falling in love with them or just becoming intimate with them there are certain stories we have about how we became the person we are mm-hmm. formative stories and I wanted that I wanted that to be part of the book that for her it is not just that these things happened but they've shaped who she became Mm. and I think for me you know I think a lot of the time the media can be quite dismissive of teenagers Mm. but a lot of our important experiences do happen then and can shape the adults that we are Mm. and that's sort of partly why i chose that voice i mean don't I, you say
0: I, that I, I love a good coming of age story Yeah, i mean that's so... why we all love them right? <laughs> like i like i i watch coming of age movies all the time yeah like that's, and, that's and, my favorite <laughs> and i
1: think like usually sh- don't you usually say that like the brain's like um elasticity sort of uh you, you lose that when you're like around 20 so everything that happens before is sort of like that's actually changing the way your brain works and it will stay like that for, like till you die like it, you can't really do anything about it so like what happens to you between i don't know 12 and 20 that's like those are the golden years for like deciding who you are as suppose. which is quite scary after that
0: you don't learn anything new no but... <laughs> after that
1: like you, after that your brain is trying to tell you that like so when you're between like twelve and twenty, you learn about the world and you're trying to figure out what the world is. But after twenty, you're trying to tell yourself that what you already know about the world is the truth, and then trying to f- make the world fit into your worldview instead of, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 it's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> it's really scary to think about it that way because it's too late for all of us now. <laughs> like we just have to. So that's so that's why we probably we can't
0: change from now on.
1: No, so that's why we probably will <laughs> write the same sort of books have the same sort of perspective on life from like the first book we we'll write until the last one. Do
0: okay. Is is that why like a lot of people do their best work in their early like I'm not talking about writers but like, you know, scientists that like they have their, their amazing I- ideas in their like 20s and mathematicians. then Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then when they're 40, they just look at their fantastic students and what ideas they I have. I think
1: we should stop talking about this because it is so depressing to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't think so? I no, 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 feel no. like your best work is behind you, David.
0: Uh no no uh the creative things I do is are different from mathematics. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's do what's... you do you feel like
1: you're like are you sure that you're getting better? Do you get better as a writer? Like because you've written three now. I've I'm only I've only written one, so I'm not sure like how the second one will compare.
2: So when I was starting out as a writer, because my first book came out when I was 26, which means I started writing it when I was about 23, I spoke to someone who will remain nameless who told me, you're too young to have anything to say. Go work on an oil rig. Okay. And I'm sure there are some really <laughs> wonderful oil rig novels out there mm-hmm. or to be written and I remember. <laughs> That's
0: too weird. <laughs> I, I
2: remember feeling furious because it implied that the two decades that I'd spent living were meaningless and generic and must be the same as everyone else's. Mm. And I, I really do not think that is true. And I think that, yes, some some individuals find the thing they want to talk about when they're in their seventies or their sixties, but that being young does not mean you have less to write about. I think in terms of craft, it's something slightly different, Mm -hmm. which is how how used to shaping your ideas Mm. are you, or how familiar are you with certain techniques. And on one level, I do think it is easier as you go just to believe that you'll be able to do it to mm-hmm. believe that you'll be able to finish a book mm. because I know a lot of people who haven't done that and they get stuck on the first chapter and they lose confidence yeah. and they go oh my goodness there's so many more pages yeah <laughs> and at least you have the sort of feeling of like if I keep plugging away eventually this will be the length of a book yeah <laughs> and then I can edit it and so I think you have the confidence of that experience mm-hmm. but I also think that with every book I've needed to learn how to write again in some ways why why is that like don't tell me that (laughs) well each book has individual needs so you know we were talking about the narrator of my third novel and I spent probably about as long trying to figure out the voice of that novel Mm. as I did writing the novel all right because I couldn't figure out who I couldn't figure out the voice I couldn't figure out the tone I couldn't so
1: how did you, did you just write your way through it? Just like experiment
2: writing stuff or how did it happen? I basic basically, I experimented writing stuff. I thought about what sort of voice I wanted.
1: Do you do like those like writing prompt things? Like write about one day when she goes to the supermarket, what would she buy? Like those kind of tricks that people
2: do. So my secret shame is that <laughs> I when I I studied writing and I loved doing those exercises in class and I always found them incredibly helpful and so when I teach I give my students exercises like that and I say okay you know we're going to write about the time in which what do we do recently um oh yes in which you a character first formed a particular habit they have mm-hmm. and I send them off and I don't do these exercises anymore. Mm. I cannot make myself do them. There's something about an authority figure saying for 20 minutes, you're going to write about this. You're like, I'm a doctor, damn it. I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> no, it's not that I want to do it. I want to, but when I'm the boss, I start second guessing the prompt. Mm. And actually, I think they're most useful when you just accept the prompt All right. and then go. So someone has to tell you to do it. Yes. You can not tell yourself to do it. I mean, one can tell oneself to do mm-hmm. it. I personally have All failed at right. it so All far. Right.
0: <laughs> but, but when you studied, so, so you went to university and, and did, uh, what is it called here? Is it called like English or? Like... Okay,
2: so I, confusing me for listeners, I grew up in Britain. Mm. I have a kind of American accent because my mom's American. Mm. I then went to study my undergrad in America where I told my family, I'm going to get a degree in economics. Mm. And my family were like, that sounds like a good degree, that will get you a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hooray, huzzah for you. Mm. And the thing about America, as opposed to Britain, is that you can take sort of extra classes around the side of mm. your major. And a friend of mine was like, you're always reading. Oh, uh,
0: are those the minors?
2: Well, no, you don't even have to minor in it. You oh, can okay. just take, you can just oh, be like, okay. I want to take a pottery class uh, yeah. and do one pottery class. So I had a friend who said, well, you're always reading novels. Like, you should take a creative writing class. And I said, "Oh yeah, I, I'll do that," and I did it, and I absolutely loved it. But in order to, <gasps> it was better than economics.
0: Who <laughs> <laughs> knew better than finance?
2: <laughs> and and that, but to be allowed to take the higher up classes, you had to be a major. Mm. And so I then called my parents. I was like, "I'm still going to major in economics, but I'm going to double major. I'm also going to do creative writing." And my family were like, suspicious. Mm-hmm but you're not going to drop the economics. I was like, I'm not going to drop the economics. I'm just going to work really far too hard. And so they they accepted this. And I ended up, I I still have, I have a major in economics, but... uh, How is that working out for you, I I don't, I I enjoyed it
0: actually. Are are you balancing the budget of your renovation?
2: (laughs) Uh, I I did enjoy it because I think economics can just be a way to talk about how people behave and Mm -hmm. how they make choices, which is, I think... A very bird's eye view of what a novelist is doing, or at least those are the classes I enjoy the most. So I, I, I'm I, very happy I have the economics degree, even if it's been completely useless and I've gotten <laughs> my entire career and job through the creative writing side of things. That's amazing, though. I can't believe that, like...
1: Because I guess, like, most people, if you do have both degrees, you would usually end up doing the thing which is, like, more stable and easy to easier to get a job in. So it's, like, kudos for being able to actually live off of your writing okay but so um let's move on to the other stuff you do around your writing so you have them you, you write your novels you also teach and you're also doing mentor stuff and that's how I met you so should I set the scene and yes, then you please. can okay so basically back in the day when I was just like drafting and and trying to write back in
0: the days so.
1: well this is this is more than two years ago
0: yeah yeah two and a
1: half years ago yeah. that, that's like, like a lifetime like Ninety-three for me that's <laughs> a long time anyway so back in in those days those early days um i used to start following like authors and industry people on twitter to like try to learn more about the industry and you were one of the authors that i followed And uh, you followed me back, uh, which I was like, fangirling a little bit about. I was like, oh, my God, this author, I told you. Cloud chasers, both of you. Yeah, yeah, I am. (laughs) I definitely am. I'm proud of it as well. Um, So anyway, I read, um, I think, two or three of your short stories that I could just find online. And I loved your voice. So basically, the first one I read was, I don't remember the name of it, but it's about like this woman in LA who is like a extra teacher for um for a young teenage boy right um and this was the like my introduction into your writing and i just i just fell in love with it immediately because it's so like deceptively simple and calm and beautiful but it has this sort of underlying darkness so you don't you have no idea where it's going so you kind of you're kind of sitting on needles at the same time as being very calm and being surrounded by like very beautiful words and, and uh, uh, expressions. So it was, uh, yeah. I was, yeah, and and also the kind of very, you know, simple pad back writing that I usually tend to, to love. So I asked, I, I DM'd you and I asked you like, do, since you're a teacher and since you like, you're, you know, you're in the industry, do you know any like good, like writing, creative writing courses I I should take or what would you recommend? And you like very generously gave me like a bunch of, of your like suggestions and recommendations. And then you also at the very end of this long DM, you were like, oh, and by the way, not to like, you know, self-promote, but I do also do mentoring, and I'm like sold. Like I want to do one-on-one <laughs> mentoring. remote. Like like, is that? I didn't even know that this Jenny's existed. Like, and... I
0: don't have time for a class. <laughs> like, no, Can we, just I want, can we only talk up? about
1: me, please? I don't want to talk about <laughs> other students. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I was like, David, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invest in a mentoring course. I need to do this. David's was like, just do it, and that's how we met.
2: Yes, I I don't know if I ever told you this, but back when. You followed me, and I followed you back. I had separately seen one of your YouTube videos, really, and just like in in the world, and it was the one in which you were really, really excited about eating raw broccoli. Um,
0: <laughs> all all of her videos. <laughs> That's like my whole YouTube career. <laughs>
2: I wonder. I wonder what that was
1: about. Like, do you remember what the you, what the video was you, about? You know. Except for that? You know.
0: You know. A thing that happens a lot of the time, Af- after. After a while, after knowing people, they usually say, by the way, years before I met you, I saw one of your videos, (laughs) you know. It's
1: happened a lot of, like, (laughs) lately it's happened a lot with, like, people we've known for years, like you, for example.
0: (laughs) It's like, yeah, I saw one of your videos once.
1: But why was I eating raw broccoli? Do you remember? I
2: think you were just talking about, like, what you like to eat, and you were really, really excited to eating the raw broccoli, and you were going to David, like... I just crave raw broccoli. Don't you ever crave raw broccoli? <laughs> and you
1: were like, "What is this freak?" And then a week later, I, I DM you on Twitter. No, I was
2: like, "This is an interesting person."
1: <laughs> yeah, raw. Interesting is a one Like, I've I've learned that like if someone ever gives you the feedback "interesting," it's that's
2: not a good thing. I was genuinely intrigued. I was like, "What? What? What sort of book is is she gonna write?" Like, she'd write I obviously knew that you were right stylish and you had a strong aesthetic so I was like I had no idea what what the writing would be like and it was it was a well, so okay
1: so when since now I have you in the hot seat today um, I want to grill you so please don't hold back I'm going to ask you all about like your view because I already know my view on this mentorship thing but I want to hear <laughs> like now after it's done I want to hear like what your thoughts were so basically you so do you agree like Is that how you remember
2: it? How I contacted you and everything? Is that like... That sounds very accurate to me. I can't remember our exact DMs, but I... There's nothing where I'm going, false news, lies. (laughs) Okay,
1: so, so we just... Okay, this is the strange thing. This, in retrospect, this could have gone really badly because I actually told you, Rowan, that I wanted to show you my first, 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 first draft. Like, not even polished, not even... Like, just typing it out, reading it through once and then sending it to you in that really extremely raw format. Uh, And also, not when the whole first draft was done, but as I went along, I wanted to send you. And that's a really, really bad idea. Like, I would never do that now, because I just feel like if you send that to the wrong person, or that person might not understand what you're trying to do when it's so rough and, like, not polished at all, it could have maybe been quite disastrous but luckily you're such a lovely person and I did feel like you immediately understood what I was trying to do so it ended up being like a hugely good thing for me so basically what we did I would send you chapters and then we would meet up and discuss them and then I would go home write a few more and then we would just do that every two weeks maybe or something yeah that sounds about right uh and and the stuff we talked about in our meetings that like informed the rest of the novel so you you kind of were there to shape it um it's quite special like i've i i've never really heard anyone else do it that way which is probably a good thing maybe people shouldn't do it that way i'm not sure have you done it that way before
2: i mean i've worked with people i don't know I don't quiz people about how much they've edited before they've sent to me. I have worked with people where they don't have the whole book, where they do have individual chapters and where they're sending me and they're saying, okay, this is what I think my plot is, but mm. I don't know. And that is a really exciting time with the book. I think the thing that was really interesting to me is, even though you're telling our listeners, it was so rough. It did not read that rough. <laughs> there are people who come to me and ask for mentoring where they may have an absolutely wonderful idea and absolutely passionate with the characters and i can see so much potential but they aren't yet good self-editors and a lot of what we talk about is sort of craft technique Mm -hmm. as it were and you know that there's i love working with those students too but when i got your work i didn't look at this and go this woman doesn't know how to edit actually and I don't know if it's because of the YouTube and all of the editing and writing that you already do, but it felt very polished already. And I feel like a lot of our conversations weren't about, Jenny, you don't know how to write. You absolutely <laughs> knew how to write when I got there. Uh, but just because so much of the characters were in your head and you knew them so well that I'd find myself asking a question saying, like, I don't quite understand why this character's made this choice or I can't quite see this motivation i trust that you know it but i think maybe i need a little bit more of it on the page and you would always know it was just that i think maybe i hope it was useful for you to have someone to bounce off and see where you needed to give the reader a bit more hand-holding but yeah, yeah. All, of, all of the skill was already there in oh those first gosh. pages
1: <laughs> i'm blushing now i i want you to I, I want you to also give the listener like the 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 bad stuff like okay so so <laughs> the fir- the fir- what what did you expect before you read did you have any expectation or were you just like this could go in like a number of different ways
2: i don't, I don't think i had a strong expectation because you know i knew i you I'm just trying to think I've pushed push myself back into the past before mm-hmm. I knew you before before I read OK Days which is like it's so hard for me now to imagine what other book it could have been even though I know you've written in other genres but because that book is the book that I got to know you with, yeah I, I don't think it wasn't that I had any strong expectation going in but that's not to say I wasn't surprised I Actually, have told people since. I don't think I've used your name, but I'm going to use your name on this podcast because people will <laughs> know about your Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and I, I have to. So, dear listeners, only had this amazing Excel spreadsheet where she said, like, "These are the chapters. This is how long they'll be. This is exactly what's going to happen in the chapters." I think you might even have had word counts. Yeah. Yeah. Percentages anyway Percentages And um, (laughs) you had laid this all out in advance And I remember looking at this and thinking Wow, I've never seen anyone do this so precisely (laughs) I absolutely couldn't write this way But there's nothing wrong with it Like if anything I'm just deeply, deeply (laughs) impressed And I'm not sure if you should be (laughs) depressed Or like worried about me
1: (laughs) It might not be like my most You know i uh, it's not maybe my, my finest side that I am a little bit of a control freak when it comes to even my creativity, for sure. But, you know, I think that's why maybe, like, I think about stuff a lot before I sit down to write. So maybe that's why I I have it quite in my head before.
0: But you must have met so many people that write very differently. And some people have, like, for example, a journalist they have written, you know, they might have been writing for 20 years and then they're writing a book and it can turn out different ways. But it's like, they're so used to writing. And with Jenny, you know, you had by that time written a thousand blog posts and a thousand YouTube scripts. Yeah. So it's like, you had one way of writing that you you could just throw out, basically. Like, oh, this I can do in no time and now you did a book is it like uh, do you see a lot of different kind like someone who's used to writing compared to like someone who's 19 and writing for the first time is is there like a big difference between the two or or uh, can can you tell or is it just like
2: so a- I, anyone
0: can be good anyone can be bad and
2: so i have a theory and it could be absolutely wrong but i accidentally stumbled on something I'd written when I was 15 and I was reading it through and on one level I was like this makes no sense <laughs> a reader could not follow this plot at all like I can only follow it because I know what I thought I can kind of from what I thought I was doing but you know I think the the sentences I liked best in that horrible mess probably I liked as much as I like for, you know when you are thinking about your own work mm-hmm. That my favourite sentences I've written and something this year and I think that's true of a lot of people though is that you have you don't have to have a lot of training to have your most insightful ideas to have your most original images but I think what the training does, what the practice does is it helps you clear the way for those and so I think when I work with people who've written less in their lives there tends to be more muddle and a lot of the time it feels a- like i'm trying to straighten out the muddle and trying to find out what the thing that they care about is in that work but i think the core ideas i don't know if this is uplifting or depressing <laughs> um, are you know are there from the beginning and the training just helps them appear does that make sense mm-hmm. so
1: do you don't you don't think that some people are just born better storytellers and some people like well, some people to have t- learn... talent,
0: right? What do yeah. you think
1: do you think that there is like do you think that everyone needs to learn this by doing it and reading a lot? Or do you think that like it differs a lot with between
2: personalities as well? Oh, the tough questions. <laughs> um I I you know I haven't read a lot of novels written by babies so I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> um I
0: baby novels. <laughs>
2: I, I, I do think also that some people, we all have very different lives. You know, I was encouraged to read from a very young age by my parents, and I'm very, very lucky for that. And I didn't think, oh, I'm training to be a novelist mm. as I read, but I think. But you were. <laughs> yeah, you were. But when I meet a lot of writers, they describe something quite similar that it's not necessarily that they had more zeus given talent but that they were in an environment where either where stories were valued where people told stories where people read and that is of course going to make it easier i'm pretty tone deaf because no one really played music or sang Mm. in my house Mm. and that's that i think that's fine but i do sometimes meet writers who have come to it later who didn't grow up in families where that was true where you know In fact, it may even have been a struggle to get their hands on books as children. And sometimes that means that they have a steeper hill (laughs) to Mm -hmm, run up in mm -hmm. the beginning and they feel like they're behind. But it doesn't actually mean that they have less insight on the human condition or on being a person or less original imagery. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't want someone in that situation to feel like, they were a worse writer it's just they're doing some people got a head start on doing that work Mm. but they'll bring something different to it because of where they're coming from Mm. so i think that at least in my time working with people that seems to be more true than a sense of you are have more god-given talent than the person to your left Mm. that said i think interest matters yeah no. I think people who say oh, I don't really read I find usually aren't as strong writers cuz they're, yeah. they're not it's cuz they're not interested in it as I, much I, I think they like that
1: like reading is is much more important than writing like if you want to be a good writer I think that reading is like like at least that's how I see it like you need to consume the type of content that you want to produce like otherwise you you can't just write yourself into becoming a writer you need to read yourself into bec- like that's how i see it I,
0: I i think that there's a lot of people that turn 50 and say i want to write a book uh and they've never read a book like <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> yeah, there's a, like that that are just like I want to tell my story. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, and that's and amazing. There's like, probably,
0: you know, hundreds of thousands of people like that every year. Yeah. And uh, and obviously there's all, all will only... You, will a, you when you are 50? I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Ugh, nightmare <laughs> to, to, to write a whole book. That's, <laughs> I'm looking to forward like... to your
2: tell-all memoir.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but a, a lot of people are are, I think, are like... Uh, I want to tell the story of my life, yeah. kind of. When they're when they, they turn fifty, yeah. maybe they had an office job for the last thirty years, and they're like, "I Just have creativity yeah. in me. I don't read, I don't write." But I love the idea mm. of writing a book. Yeah. I think it's the same with with uh, film or social media or whatever creative yeah. output, basically.
1: But writing is so much more democratic because anyone can do it. Like, almost anyone can do it. So it's Yeah, like, but
0: now anyone can do things with their phone.
1: But not a lot of 50-year-olds wake up one day and create a movie.
0: That's true. Yeah. Are there more 50-year-olds that say... I want to write the book, yes. then I want to make a movie. Yes. because yeah, it's, it's so f- much e- e- easier. But it's easier <sighs> to sit down and start because, yeah. like, you already you have yourself. the laptop. You don't. Kind of. You
1: don't need any technical like knowledge or equipment. Or anything.
0: With your students, do, do you? Because some of them, I guess, are like, I want to write a fast-paced uh, Da Vinci Code thing, and like, how, how do you? How do you? How do you uh, teach that? Person and also teach the person that wants to write the literary uh, masterpiece, kind of?
2: So, first off, I'm always pretty straightforward with my students. I...
0: Go for the literary masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I I, I primri- primarily write in the genre called literary fiction. It's most of what I read. And so I'll tell them, my bias will be towards character development. It will be towards... The you know really feeling the inner life of these people, and I'm not I have no problem with bloodshed, but you know I, <laughs> I want said is? Is <laughs> can we quote you <laughs> but I,
0: I want to know soundbite I,
2: <laughs> I want to know how the bloodshed makes them feel yeah. um, and you know and the and I I'll tell them you know that that is where I'm coming from that's you know what where my biases will be, and so hopefully therefore they feel. Not that I'm telling them the one way to write a book, but that these are some opinions. But I do, I do actually also read crime. I really enjoy crime, and don't again, write it. great soundbite. I really <laughs> enjoy crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I and so I tried to speak to them about books that you know maybe are much pacey than something I would necessarily be my total true love books, but Mm. books that I've really enjoyed that are closer in genre to theirs and say, okay, well, I think your book reminds me of the work by this writer. This is the technique they used. Mm. Maybe you would want to use a similar technique to achieve a similar effect. Mm. But personally, I think that the very best, quote, genre books, for instance, um, Celeste Ing's Everything I Never Told You which is on some level a murder mystery are also completely about character relationships they they take care with language, they're doing everything a literary novel does, but they're also using the sort of tropes of a particular genre, and that i I don't think there's any reason you can't have dragons and good writing in one book, <laughs> and there are books that do that, and mm-hmm. so that, yeah, that's sort of where I, what, what I try to... The agenda I try to push. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you mentored
1: me, then fast forward, and now my uh, debut is coming out. And what was funny, was like really funny, is that actually my book is coming out with your imprint. I mean, I don't own this imprint, dear listeners. Pages <laughs> publish my books, <laughs> so you've always been with Scepter, right? You're yes. For your three books, um, and,
0: and 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 an imprint is a publishing house.
1: Yeah. So can you can you explain the UK how, how it works with like the publishing house and the Yeah, you know? of course.
2: So I didn't understand any of this. I don't before. think
1: anyone really does. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's quite but, com-
2: confusing. Before I got an agent and my and my book. Um, I, so I have an agent who's different from Jenny's agent, and my book went to auction, which means that a couple, of in my case, six different publishers wanted Ooh, to bid on it, which fancy. was very exciting. <laughs> um, but the first publisher to be interested and in, to preempt, which is when they say, "Please don't go to auction; we'll give you some money instead," mm-hmm. um, was Scepter, and they and I was like, "They're lovely; mm. they're so nice. The editors are so nice." And my agent was like, "No, there's been more interest. We will go to auction." <laughs> and as a good agent should say, <laughs> she should. should say, "No, I'm I'm very grateful to my agent. She is amazing." Um. But and so we went we went through that process, and I ended up, except luckily, came along and did. Take me, on, take me on for that. So you kind of have your heart set on them because, like, they they came to you first and they were like oh, lovely. My, my editor, I was living in Norwich at the time, which for non-British people is about two hours from London my editor got on a train to come meet me in Norwich oh. and like she brought me some books to read. Oh it was gosh. lovely. It was so lovely. So yes, I was I was very easily wooed with yeah. books. Yeah. Um, but I yes, was courting you. But don't
0: I, expect that from <laughs> an agent. <I> <laughs> but,
2: but but I didn't know, I didn't know what anything was. So I was like, Lucy, what, what is Scepter? And mm. um, she was like, well, Scepter is an imprint of Hodder and Stoughton who are an imprint of Hachette. Mm. And I went, what yeah (laughs) and it's basically within a big publishing house that may publish cookbooks and football memoirs and you know all these different things they in order to sort of help the reader understand what's happening is this a cookbook is this not and also to have teams that specialize in and understand particular genres you tend to have imprints which Will focus on something in particular, so it's like a sub publisher. Yeah.
0: So, so it's like uh, Universal Studios or Fox. Uh, they have, uh, you know, focus features Searchlight. and searchlights. Things. I think it's confusing
2: th- things now because people would know even less about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Scepter is a is a literary imprint of Hodder and Stoughton, who are an imprint of Schett. <laughs> so, how would you uh,
1: explain Scepter, like their kind of
2: profile? I mean, it's it's hard because it's sort of like describing your sibling or your family, you mm-hmm. think, in their particular way. Mm-hmm. But to me, they are a literary imprint. They're interested in good writing, but they're also a bit quirky. So they have David Mitchell, who some of you may have heard of, is a Scepter author. They also have this very fabulous man named Sean, S-J-O-N, who lives in Iceland, appears to have only one name, writes these incredibly short artsy novellas well he
1: wrote uh the northman
2: uh scripted the northman uh, yeah movie
1: oh i didn't know that mm. wow he, he wrote it together where it was his name Oh, russell russell the film oh
0: the uh robert eggers okay yeah not um, russell at all Eggers. and i think uh alexander skarsgard had something to do with it as well
1: who knows but yeah. it, i think it was <laughs> the two of them who wrote uh, yeah probably, okay anyway probably, yeah he yeah. so he's here and, and, Don't Fried- fact check this. <laughs> uh, and also like a fellow Swede, Fredrik Backman, who wrote My Name Is... No, a man called Uwe. Yeah. He's here as well. Mm. So you think that they're a bit quirky. I mean, they have you, so obviously they're a bit quirky.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, and so I think, you know, they were interested in the fact that my first novel was about a Japanese artist... Mm-hmm. And so the titles of the section of the chapters were different color, different paint colors, and Mm. had these descriptions of paint. And I love that about your first book. I really
1: loved it. I felt like it was so, you you know, what was clever about it is like it really set the mood for the next chapter. You kind of knew what you were going into. That's really unusual. How did you come up with that idea?
2: Well, I think because it's about an artist and she sees the world, she's quite. She sees the world through colour, and colour is very strongly emotionally important to her. So I had titled the chapters with these paint colours, and then someone said to me, so someone did for me what I tried to do for you, said, Rowan, we don't know what Queen of Kaido gold looks like. We don't necessarily, not all readers know what Celadon looks like. So maybe you should describe them. But actually, in describing them, I they're not straight-up descriptions. They sort of have associations and meanings yeah. for that character. Yeah. And so yeah, that was that was fun to do, mm-hmm. but but yeah, so I feel like with Scepter Books, there's quite a range of different voices that they support, but they're always, qu- yeah, I, they're always quite interesting to me. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's only like it's a, like the the imprint only publishes like what twenty titles per year or something, like really. Like a small number. I think you did a much better job researching the business uh, side <laughs>
0: than I did. Exclusive club, you two, then. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's what's so weird. Like, you, how...
0: you two are 10% of their output next year.
1: <laughs> the, the, yeah, I guess we that's are. It's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, like, Rowan, your, your book comes out in April. My book comes out in June. It's like, I feel like they're siblings or best friends, our books. But anyway, <laughs> it's so weird because I have, like, three good author friends. And I have the same agent as one of them. I have the same imprint as you, one of my good friends, and also my third friend. Her editor used to be at Canongate. She moved to Scepter and she's now my editor. So I have the the editor, agent, and imprint of my three good author friends. It's just like, it just felt like it's meant to be.
2: Clearly, you're calling certain things towards yourself. I mean, it sounds
1: now like I've been using you (laughs) as contact to get in. But I, like, you, like, there's, you have no, like, my connection to you has nothing to do with me being with scepter which is it's yeah, strange yes. it just happened that way how okay so how did you feel when me your mentee were like by the way i'm also gonna be in your imprint we're like oh can she please leave me alone already
2: <laughs> no it was it it was it was great and i think also you have like some mystique in the world so people are like oh you you know Jenny. Well she like? <laughs> 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 oh. she's quite fun. No, well, was... So what do you,
1: you tell them? about this? That's when you tell them about the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> she
0: does these spreadsheets like no one else.
2: <laughs> um, and so, yeah. I think, well, people have asked me to describe your book and I'm like, I've loved your book but people have met you and I always end up being like, well, you know Jenny and you've met her and you know how she's quite Like both, she's quite stylish, but in her own way, and like very, very put together and interesting. Her book is like that. Her (laughs) book.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay. That's
0: good. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's
2: great, actually. Yeah. So let's talk <laughs> Put about that on the book. <laughs> let, let's talk about you
1: blurbing though, because you blurb. Okay, so for those who who don't know what a blurb is, it's like when you get a quote from an author saying like, "I love this book." Or yeah,
0: like it's like it says on the on the cover on the cover of the book. So Marion Keys says, "Amazing book."
1: I'm I'm so extremely lucky to have a, a blurb from Rowan. And when I told one of my uh, like an acquaintance I have in the industry, he's an agent, I told him like, "Oh, I, I already have a blurb from Rowan." He's like. If you have a blurb from a big player like Rowan, you're already like so like big in the industry just from that. So it's like yeah. you...
0: You're a big player in the industry. Rowan,
1: yeah, I, I remember texting like, no, you like you said, no, you are a big player. But you are because I see your name everywhere. You you blurb a lot. You're very generous with blurbing. But how does that feel to like going to a bookshop and not only that your books are there, but also that your name is on other people's books? That must be quite special.
2: It's it's not something I ever thought about in advance. Like I definitely dreamed of having a physical book and having a book cover mm-hmm. and you know I was always like I must get my book published before ebooks take over. Mm-hmm. Apparently books aren't taking over. They're they both exist, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But um I think yeah, it's it's strange because I I've told you Jenny Jenny like I very rarely recommend books in my day-to-day life because for me <laughs> Uh, this is sound nerdy, but reading is such a personal and intimate experience. And there are books that I really connect with that I never want to say, "Oh, you stranger who is entirely different from me will love this book as much as I do," because you might not. Yeah, you you know no matter how skilled the writer is. And so, to be asked to blurb, you're always like, "Oh, how do I how do I do this?" And I always try to give in my blurb not just a sense of like good book five stars but sort of the taste or spirit of the book in the hope that, kind of that like your colors your chapter colors that yeah. you give
1: the color of the book <laughs> that's like you, you usually how you blurb you say like this is the mood of this or this is the yeah so and yeah,
2: the hope that the person who's looking for that mood will be able to find it
1: mm-hmm. That's I think that's great. If someone ever asks me to blurb, I'm going to use that. I'm going to just describe the flavor of it. Um, Okay, so I think it's about time that we round off. And I want to tell everyone that, like, if you haven't read Rowan's work yet, you are seriously missing out. Like, your um, work, Rowan, if I would describe it, to me is, like, very cinematic. Like, I still have so many, like, visuals from, like, short stories and your short stories and novels that like they just like it feels like it's a movie that I've seen like so even though your novels are like your stories are quite different in like what they're about and everything I just feel like this quality is like what for me defines you as a writer that you like so it just feels like you've seen it like you've been in that place so um if you want calm beautiful dark and also very like cinematic Rowans are the books that you should buy. You can pre-order the, the new one, but you can also buy so so the first one is Harmless like you, then it's the second one is Starling Days, and then now your new one is the Sleep Watcher. So yes. you can you can pre-order that and that's out in April. Yes. Mm-hmm. Please
2: pre-order it. Yeah they please make a, pre-order. They make a difference to authors and yeah. bookshops. Yes. So and my, also Jenny's my Eddie's to. yeah. <laughs> actually told yeah, me like
1: <laughs> pre orders will will kind of uh, um have a have an impact on how much books how many books the bookshops will buy in? So it's actually really important. Yeah. So pre-order uh, Rowan's new book. Uh, I, I can't be- I can't believe I haven't read it yet. I've, like we've talked about it so much. Uh, I've seen the cover and everything, but I still haven't read it. So I'm very eager.
2: No. I I really hope you enjoy it. Um, um, I
1: know I will. I already know I will. <laughs> i will blurb it like you you won't even need my blurb you know so many famous people already but i was i'm still gonna give you a blurb that you can put on your amazon or whatever
2: if you want i'm so excited for people to read okay days and because i i feel like i met this book you know in its adolescence and <laughs> you have yeah. it's become this like grand mature woman oh well i'm, I'm not excited sure that it has. See people, you know, to, get to hear other people's takes on your characters
1: and their love story and yeah oh you're making me nervous now are you nervous as well
2: I'm always nervous I'm always terrified
1: yeah <laughs> it doesn't get better
2: I mean it might for you <laughs> but it doesn't for
1: you <laughs> I feel like I why didn't... do we do this Rowan do you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
1: terrible Some sort of abuse we do to ourselves yeah. is it just because we crave the attention <laughs>
0: Don't know. <laughs> Rowan doesn't seem as a, a, <laughs> much of an attention seeker as you <laughs> no, Jenny <laughs> that's true, that's true.
1: I'm much more the attention seeker <laughs> anything else you want us to know oh, it's okay um, uh, how long after you so now you, you've you been working on this book and you've just finished everything with it you have a cover and everything is done how long do you wait
2: until you start on the next one I I tend to have very rough ideas for a long time that i sort of play with i have a document on my computer that is may come to nothing oh you have a book four document i have a here is a little mess okay. that could <laughs> eventually be composted into <laughs> book four um and you know it it takes me a really long time to get a sense of is this is this going to be a real thing or is this more just a mood or an idea or a feeling? Is it, is it not something that is going to have a story? Mm. And I think, yeah, I have no idea. And there's a moment where you oh, yeah, I have the flow. Mm. And I wish I knew when that, when that would come, but I think that I just have to cross my fingers and keep trying. Yeah, I mean, you've already done it three times, so you're a pro. Yeah. You're such a pro
1: at this point. Have you started? You started... <laughs> I've started, but I'm not sure. I have two. I have two dif- different compost heaps. They're, ha- they're not composted yet, but I have two stinky messes <laughs> that I've, I haven't decided which one to go for yet. So we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm 60k words in into one of them, so <laughs> it's already almost finished. Um, <laughs> you basically written like a novel. <laughs> well, I I like I have drafted, but I'm gonna chuck. I'm gonna chuck a lot uh, of it. Do you have a name for book four? No, not at all. No. How, did you, how do you come up... Do you always come up with the names before you give them to your editor or do you come
2: up with it together with your editor this or agent? Will, this will be... My third book, The Sleep Watcher, will be the first book that my editor and my agent have let me keep the working title. All oh, right. right. Hmm. And my my first two books went through quite a lot of title rounds of me pulling my hair out because, you know, trying to figure it out. And, you know, I think some people think that the editorial process is just the author's genius being oppressed (laughs) but actually I'm incredibly grateful for the time that we spent doing that yeah because I think you know your own book so well that getting down to the essence can be tricky yeah for sure but you know
1: sometimes I actually come up with a title that is like this is a great title I should write the book like I come (laughs) up with the title beforehand have you ever done that
2: I think for a short story, but never for a novel. Uh, right, right. Uh,
0: Killer Clowns from Outer Space. For example. Good, good that's example. A, that's a great movie. You all, <laughs>
2: If you have that title, you
1: already know like yeah. what book to write, what movie to write. Okay, anything yeah. else that you want to leave us with, Rowan, before we we let you leave the hot seat? <laughs> oh,
2: just thank you so much for having me on your show. and I it's so
1: much fun. I always want to keep going, but uh, yeah. I mean... This is okay. Another good thing about having a mentor is that you actually can become friends with your mentor so now I don't have to pay you every time I see you (laughs) that's great (laughs) I mean I I would I would pay you if I had to but it's good for my bank account that I don't Uh, thank you so much for coming on, <laughs> yeah, Rowan. This was you. a lot of fun. And everyone, go and pre-order Rowan's book, The Sleep we'll, Watcher. We'll leave links below. We will leave links below. And as soon as I read it, I will, of course, uh, all over Instagram, tell my thoughts about it. So stay tuned for that. Yes. I'm a little um, terrified. <laughs> no, don't be. I know I'm going to love it already. Yeah. All right. So thank you, guys. And we will talk to you in a week or a few weeks. Something like
0: that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you, Rowan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye.
0: Bye.